We need Chizuk here. Um, this has been a very painful week for us, and this audience has been extremely understanding, and the world has been unbelievable. Our campaign has, um, which will hopefully lead to a rebuild of our studio, God knows when, but but that's what we're hoping, and I know that everyone out there is hoping the same thing, and that's why they've invested so much this week in the in the campaign, um, the campaign has attracted almost. Uh, we're about to hit 900 donors, which is an unbelievable show of unity and support and love and admiration and uh, acknowledgement. And we thank you for all of that. Um, it's been a painful week. We're trying very hard to get back into a regular format because I don't want people to just continue to hear about this uh, episode that we've been through. And hopefully, as we uh, get to the to Shabbos and the weekend and next week we'll be able to in fact uh, do more of drifting back into our regular format somebody who's um, always turned to to be Mechazek people and we've done that in the past as well with him and somebody who's in a time zone where it's extremely inconvenient for him to join us this morning but he made a commitment to do it and I can't thank him enough the great author and lecturer rabbi leader and somebody who is uh always capable of knowing what to say and when. Rabbi Pesach Krohn is with us live via telephone on this Friday Erev Rosh Chodesh Erev, this very special Shabbos. Rabbi Krohn, welcome back to JM in the AM. It's such an honor to come and to talk to you. <laughs> you know, I almost, I can't hold myself back from crying because when you told me yesterday what happened, you know, to your studio, you know, it's, the thing that I think the world loves about you is three things. First of all, there are very few people who love Yidden the way you love Yidden. There are very few people who love Eretz Yisrael the way you love Eretz Yisrael. And there are very few people who love life the way you love life. And that's why I think you have these 900 donors and people all over the world because you're like um, just a magic flow of positivity and you're always encouraging people. You bring out the best in people. I know that I've been on your show numerous times, sometimes with my dear son-in-law, Hananya, and you always make people feel special, and that's why people are so attracted to you. And for that reason alone, you deserve that. Akhandi Baruch should give you the bracha. You should be able to come back and be even better. You'll get a studio that'll be even more modern than what you had till now. You had everything. But uh, you'll be able to reach even more people because people just admire what you do because it comes right from your heart and it just comes through every single morning. I can't thank you enough for that. Uh, you know, in radio, Rabbi Crone, one of the uh, one of the methods is to constantly pound away at the at the same themes, at the same messages. Um, you know, people, it's theater of the mind, and people. People uh, are able to internalize things the more they hear it. And we've been doing that this week. There are a couple of themes that we have been harping on that I think are so vital and so important. The first one, obviously, is that um, if, God forbid, I would have been in the studio when that fire would have started, it would have started, according to the fire marshal, exactly where I sat every single morning for God knows how many years and where I sat every single afternoon, and sometimes evenings, if I if we're working in the studio, and we're uh, and and, and um, 
you know, spending time there. This was our headquarters, not just our studio for our shows, but our headquarters for our office. Um, and that's why it's, this is such a painful feeling. The feeling of, of homelessness, frankly, is, is, is very, very painful in addition to everything else that's going on. But the first thing we do is thank God. Uh, we have to assume that there was a, there was some type of, uh, message from above. Some people, Ask me to hesitate before I use the words Gezerah Ra, but obviously something above was uh, leading HaKadosh Baruch Hu, leading the one above to make certain decisions. He he took out whatever it is he wanted to to um, to transmit to us. He took it out on our stuff instead of God forbid on us. And That's I, exactly what I'll say. They say that Hashem sometimes takes out things out eats him on him. That's an expression Chazal used by the Beit Hamikdash that Hashem didn't destroy the people; He destroyed the Beit Hamikdash. But I want to tell you a little story that should give you great chizuk. And you talk about Xavier Raw. So let me tell you a fabulous story that happened with the Skelena Rebbe, just about what you just said. During the Second World War, the Skelena Rebbe, Rabbi Eliezer Zisha Portugal, had in his home together with his wife. They must have had. Over the years, more than 400 young men and women to protect them, that they shouldn't have to go to concentration camps, they shouldn't have to go to the Romanian army and lose their frumkite. And somebody snitched to the government and that he was harboring young men and young women. And, um, of course, they came in. The police were only happy to arrest the rabbi, and they took him to jail, and they put him in solitary confinement, and they told him he's going to rot there until he dies. They took away his yarmulke, and they took away his glasses, and he was left there. Now, he told over this story that, of course, he used to daven every day very, very slowly. They say that Sean Esrei on a normal day would take him almost an hour. Now that he was in jail, so he started davening. He took his jacket and put it over his head, so that was the head covering because he had no yarmulke. And he started davening, and he came to Baruch Shomar. And all of a sudden... In this jail, in this place of solitary confinement, he had a question, and he got so upset with himself. How in the world could he never have had this question before? And the question was that in Baruch Shomar, everything in Baruch Shomar is a positive mantra. Baruch Shomar, Hashem said there'll be a world. He pays good reward, and he owes to break everything. But that says Baruch Gezer Umakayim. Hashem makes a Gzeira and he fulfills it. That's awful. As you just said, that's a Gzeira raw. That's terrible. What's it doing there? It didn't fit into the mantra of Baruch Shoma. Everything is positive except that sentence. And he actually said these words, Hashem, I don't want you to let me out of here until I figure out how this expression fits into Baruch Shoma. And he kept on saying, Baruch Gezer Makayim, Baruch Gezer Makayim. And then he came up with the most brilliant interpretation, and that's what I want to say to you, my dear no. He said, Umakayim doesn't only mean to fulfill. Umakayim means to have kiyum, to have existence, to live through it. And he said, that's what's the positive thing. Baruch Goiza, Hashem is blessed. Sometimes he has to make a zera. He has to make a zera on Kladisro. He has to make a zera on an individual, on the family, on a radio show. But just hang in there. You know why? Umakayim. You're going to be able to exist through it, and you're going to grow from it. Baruch Goiza, Hashem, sometimes, for whatever reason, as he said, has to make it zera. 
time, it gives us tiyum, and it gives us the wherewithal and the strength to exist through it and to keep on going. <clears throat> That's what I believe is going to happen with, with JM and the AM and your, and your program. It's true. It's exhaled. There's no question about it. But just remember, underline it in your Baruch Shama. Baruch Goizam you're going to make it, and you're going to grow from it. Now, I remember, you and I know, that, um, Benny, the one who has from divorce, that uh, wonderful organization for people never divorced. And I remember one time at a uh, conference, they had a brochure. And on the brochure, it says these words. I can never forget it. It said, don't just go through it, grow through it. Don't just go through it, just grow through it. And that's exactly what's going to happen with JM and the AM. When you finish rebuilding, JM and the AM is going to be greater than it ever was. Don't ask me how. I'm not a radio person. But you're going to figure it out, and you'll see. And you'll be Baruch Goyza Makayim. There's no question that it was Xayra. Anybody who would say that it's not Xayra is out of their mind. But that's what the Skalan is telling you and I and all your friends. It's Goyza, Baruch Makayim. You're going to have Kiyum, you're going to exist, and it's going to be better than ever. Rabbi Pesach Kron is with us, uh, being Machazek us here at JM in the AM. The other, one of the other themes that we've been discussing, and I'm sure you could speak to this one, uh, is a friend of mine through tears, and I've told this story so many times already this week, so I'll, I'll, I'll do it briefly, but he, he was frustrated, let's put it that way, he was frustrated with the one above when uh, a member of his family uh, began to suffer from a medical condition because he felt that his family had done so much for children in difficult uh, medical situations over the years, wouldn't that be inappropriate to afflict his family with this type of condition? And a great Torah giant said to him that he, meaning the Torah giant, at one time also had difficulty with the one above, and then years and years later realized that when people started to come to him with Shilas and situations and for advice in a specific area, um, he, the Torah giant, had experienced that years before, and it gave him an opportunity to have greater sympathy, greater chesed, greater love, greater patience with the people who were coming to him with the similar circumstances. Now, Rabbi Krohn, I will tell you, I'm at this microphone almost 40 years, and we have been there to respond to almost, I can't say we've always responded to everything, but almost anything we've ever been asked to do for anybody to promote chesed, to help out financially, to get thousands of people to react to people's very sensitive situations. And some might, and, and, and including fires, by the way, including fires. There have been some devastating fires in the Jewish community. And the way we've reacted to them, one might think and suspect that that's an insurance policy, that we would never suffer from something like this. But I am assuming, based on what my friend said to me through tears, I am assuming that when people are in a situation like this, it will lead them to treat those who suffer in these types of circumstances with greater chesed, with greater rachamim, with greater speed, and with greater love. There's no question that you're right. And I, I want to give a personal example. Um, I lost my father when I was 21. And... Um, it was very, very difficult. I'm the oldest of seven children. I had to leave yeshiva. I was in Tervedas at that time. 
And believe me, most people were not interested in taking a male who was 21 years old. Of course, when you're 21, you think you're old. And when you, my father died, he was 47, so I thought he was an old man. But it was very, very difficult. But there's no question about it. There's no question that because of what I went through and when I saw what my mother went through, who was an Almona for 40 years, that I am involved in certain organizations, and two in particular. One is Samhainu, which is for Almonas. I was just at a Shabbaton. They had a Shabbaton. There were over 250 Almonas. This was for the older group. And in a few weeks, we're going to have another one for the younger group, between 20 and 70. And there'll probably be about 400 of them. And then there's that great organization called Links, which is our Fiat Sainan um, and Yusomos, who lost a parent during their teenage years. And I'm positive that my involvement in those organizations, just like Rabbi Yaakov Bender, who also lost a father at a young age, we are involved because we went through what we went through. And we're better people because of that. Now, nobody wants to go through these things. But as you just said, we don't know HaKadosh Baruch Hu's reason. But one thing is for sure, it definitely, definitely causes us to grow and become better people and become more sensitive people. And you are a sensitive person as it is. And, and this will only increase it even more. And I, I, I would assume that, <laughs> as, as ridiculous as this might sound, because you would think that a logical person would know the answer to this question, but I'll ask you only because of the pain that I'm going through at this time. I, I would assume that th- these are the most difficult days because as you're saying what you're saying, I'm saying to myself, how, however, are we going to rebound from this? But I would assume that if it's just five days after the fire, I have to give it some time. Oh, there's no question, but I'll tell you another thing. You know, Archgro is fabulous. We all know that. Yeah. And every week they put out something that's called um, at the Archgro Shabbos table. They send it out to shuls, individuals, anybody can get it. And just as I was getting up this morning, now I didn't, you didn't tell your audience where I am. I'm in Phoenix. Right. It's, uh, I was up at 4.30 this morning. Right. And I would do you, especially for you. But they have an article on their cover page this week about a famous trial, the Bilas trial. And they were afraid that they would ask them about a certain Gomorrah that calls Klal Yisrael Odom, and the Gemara says, Klal Yisrael was an Odom, but other nations are not. And they were afraid, isn't that a racist Gemara? And the church of a Rebbe, I thought it was Rabbi Shapiro who said it, they have it here as the church of a Rebbe who said it, that Odom, Klal Yisrael was called Odom. You know why? It's just like a human body. If your finger hurts, your whole being hurts. It's not isolated to one person. Now, if something would happen to a Gentile in Italy, does the Gentile in France care? No, of course not. They're not connected. But if we have something happened in Earth, Israel, or something happened in France, or Argentina to a Jew, we're all connected. We are other. We are one person. And that's why I think what you're saying is so true. The reason that so many people care about you is because not only are you an other as an individual, but you're an other that represents Klaus Israel. You bring out the best in all of us. And therefore, that's why everybody cares about you, and that's why I am positive that you're going to go through what you're going through, but you're going to be, it's hard to imagine, you'll be 10 times better off when, when you finish building, because everybody around the world is going to help you, including me, and I publicly would like to say that I'm going to give you $500 as a donor to whatever construction or reconstruction you have to have. 
Much appreciated. You leave me speechless. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Rabbi Pesach Krohn is with us. We'll hear from Rabbi Yudin in just a few minutes. Uh, I'm trying not to keep this as the theme of this show, but it seems like in this first week uh, it's unavoidable. And at least we're trying to convey the lessons from this episode that people uh, will hopefully benefit from. And um, I can't, again, I can't express enough what it's like to be on this end to experience the outpouring of love, outpouring of support, outpouring of encouragement. It is hard to see right now that there's a, uh, that there's a, I don't want to say a hopeful future, but it's hard. It's hard to see right now, down the road. Let's put it that way. Um, but um, with the encouragement of everybody out there, it is certainly helping a great deal. Rabbi Pesach Krohn is with us. Rabbi Krohn, there are two other things we need to discuss. The first is no coincidence. No coincidence that you are now with us on the air on the day that I have officially kicked off our Nissan Chesed campaign. And I'm going to give you a brief overview so that you understand the uniqueness of this campaign that we started last year, why it's a little bit different than anything else that's out there. Fits right into JM and the AM, fits into our free-form attitude, fits into our, I don't want to say anti-corporate attitude, but I'll say that, that we're not raising money for organizations. God bless them. They should continue to do great. And believe you me, we support them in many ways all the time. But this is just a grassroots effort to encourage people to do something nice for others before Yuntif. Doesn't necessarily have to be a poor person, but obviously there's a benefit there. But we're trying to create a chain reaction, a domino effect of chesed. And I have a list that people make fun of because of some of the items on the list. But I have a list of things that I continue to suggest to people of what they could do for others. They can walk into a dry cleaner and ask the dry cleaner about their neighbor's bill and pay it. They can go to a supermarket, one of these massive kosher supermarkets, and get a $500 gift card and drop it off at their neighbor's house. The pressure, the financial pressure before Yuntif, especially this year, is so immense that we're begging people to just go do this for others. We, for years, have been recommending, and we, of course, will do this again when we speak about what NCSY is doing this Yuntif, uh, we again recommend that people purchase tickets and let NCSY give them to underprivileged families to Six Flags so that kids don't have downtime during Cholamoid and that families can enjoy a day of Cholamoid. And people of that we know has a proven track and track record. It's happened over the years. And my favorite one, Rabbi Crone, here's my favorite one. I haven't given you the whole list, but here's my favorite one. On Wednesday and Thursday night, the Seder is Friday night. On Wednesday and Thursday night, there are so many families, poor and not poor, large and not large, who are under such tremendous stress preparing for Pesach. And in many cases, their children are home already at that point. If one would work with their local establishments and have pizza pies and dinners sent over to those homes so that those families will not have to worry about anything on Wednesday and Thursday night when the last thing on their mind is preparing dinner, but the first thing on the kids' minds is where is dinner. They'd be supporting a local establishment. They'd be doing a tremendous chesed 
for families. We made these suggestions last year. A lot of people went ahead and did them. In addition to that, the reason we call it the It Takes Two campaign is we are hoping that when someone finds that bottle of wine on their doorknob or gets those pizza pies on a Thursday night or whatever the case is, we are hoping that those people will turn around and before Yuntiv do something nice for someone else to extend that chain reaction. Rabbi Krohn, I am begging you. I am begging you. Just like 10 community leaders joined me last year on the air to discuss this, and already some have done this so this year. Please, it's now two weeks before Yuntif. Please join me in asking everybody to participate in the It Takes Two Chesed campaign. We're not asking for a dollar. We're not asking for anything other than figuring out a way to do something nice for others before the holiday. Okay, let me just tell you, you know, the great people think alike, and I want to show you, I believe you're one of the great people in our generation, and I want to show you, and I'm going to tell you a great story about another great person, of course, on a different level, obviously, as we'll see in a second, what he did. Now, this was of Shlomo Zalman Orbach, and I was told this story by his nephew. His nephew was called by his uncle, Rav Shlomo Zalman, and he told him, I want you to come to me right after Biochomet on Er Pesach. And he said, if there's anything that I could do for you, let me do it now. You know, they have only one day Pesach, and it's very, very busy Er Pesach. And Rav Shlomo said, I want you to come. Don't ask me any questions. Just come right after Biochomet comes to my house. I need you to do something for me. So, of course, he's the Godwander, and he's the young man's uncle, and this guy was a known option in the Yushalayim. So he told me he came to the house, and our Shlomo Zalman had 10 envelopes on his table. And he said, here, these envelopes are all addressed. I want you to go and deliver these right away to these people that are on the envelope. And he said, Uncle, you know, I, I, I recognize some of these things. These are some poor people in Yerushalayim, and I've given them money already. We've raised money for them. Nobody's going back out Arab Yontif to buy wine and matzah. They've got whatever they need. He said, don't ask me questions. Just do what I tell you. So, of course, he was in a big rush, and he ran to all the houses. So he just ran to the house, dropped off the envelope. By the fifth and sixth one, he was slowing down already because he was doing getting good time. He decided, you know what? He's going to wait to see what's in the envelope because every person would open up the envelope. They couldn't believe what what's the guy delivering from Shlomo's Island. Eric Yonson. He opens up. He, he watches how a guy opens up. You wouldn't believe it. There were tickets to the Ghana Hayot. <gasps> to the Ghana Hayot. He could not believe it. Just, so, just so people know, tickets to the zoo, folks. Tickets to the zoo. Right. So, in, in, in your Shalayan. And he could not believe it. Now, of course, he stayed at every single envelope. That's exactly what was in it. He watched as the family opened it up and the kids were going crazy. So now he couldn't go back to Absalom. But the first day, Cholomite, he went and he said, Rebbe, you know, like, what? Who's? What, what's the point of this? You know, why did why did you do this? And he said, listen, I know the kids in your Shalayim. On Yontif, everybody will be in shul. And everybody, the kids, will be talking. Where are you going? I mean, you're going to the Ghana Chayot. You're going to Ghana Yeshua. You're going to this. And there's going to be some kids who will have nothing what to say. And he's listened to the inside of a Godot. He said, not only are the kids going to come home on Yontif and complain, but they're going to ruin the parents, Yontif, because the parents realize that they couldn't do something for the children. So you're saving Simchas Yontif not only for the kids, but for the parents. 
That's why he did what you're doing exactly to make sure before Yuntif that these kids know that they could go either to a ball game or they could go to a, to a museum or they could go to or wherever they, there, any amusement that the kids could go. And you should be avenged because you're a Muhammad to exactly what the Shalemah Salman had in mind. Before Yuntif, not take him on Yuntif. And what I say is, if you're going to six place, if you're going to any place else, make sure you take the other kids in, in the community. And by us in Kew Gardens, we have a guy, Abram Hech, who's a tremendous tzaddik, who rents a bus and he has kids going. And I, I know that they give, you know, off and, and it's reduced prices. It, it's just incredible. And so what you're doing, of course, I'll join you with, with this and I'll speak about it. It's a wonderful idea. And, it, and it's an idea that Gedolim has. You see, Rabbi Shlomo Zalman did the exact same thing. Yeah, everything that we try to think of, that we hope gives menuchas and nefesh to families. The pizza idea gives menuchas and nefesh to families. The gift card to supermarkets gives a, a somewhat of a menuchas and nefesh before yuntif. What you just discussed in terms of the tickets, of course, even even, and I, I'm sorry, I, I got to move on. Of course, this is Musa to myself, but I, when I talk about this topic, I just can't stop. Uh, even you know how expensive Pesach candy is, Rabbi Crone. You know how expensive Pesach candy is. Could you imagine the kids who have none in their house if they see four or five boxes of candy and know that Yuntif afternoon they're going to be getting a special treat? Do you know what that's going to do for their Yuntif? Do you know that they're going to sit down to the seder differently because they know that tomorrow they're getting on the afternoon they're going to have Pesach treats that cost you know fifteen dollars a box, but the neighbor was nice enough to drop off a few boxes before Yuntif. Hundred percent, and I'll tell you, in my neighborhood where I live, Kew Gardens, we have a, a grocer, Rosenblum, who people do that. They come in and they pay people's bills. I know I've done it myself many times, and you know I always say that I tell my children, and I've always told people, you do a good thing, make sure your kids know, because when they grow up, they're going to do the exact same thing. And in this fellow Rosenblum, this family, they have over a hundred thousand dollars in bills that. People owe them, but they let it go by, and, and other people will come in and pay. And, and it's a beautiful thing, exactly what you're talking about. The help pay bills, and these people, Rahman have such great bills, they'll have no idea that you paid it. They just know the grocer will know that money was given on their account, and, and, and that's beautiful. Wow. All right, Pesach Kron is with us. We have a couple of minutes left. Rabbi Kron has been traveling the world. Uh, recently, being masbid and teaching lessons from the life of Rav Chaim Kanievsky, and we have not spent enough time uh, talking about the um, uh, the Gadolador who passed away and made such a tremendous roshem on the on the Jewish world. And, and Rabbi Kron, I know there's a million things I can only imagine how many things are uh, you address when when speaking about Rav Chaim. But to, to us, especially those who are somewhat removed. From the world of Bnei Brak, somewhat removed from the Yeshiva Shavelt now, as 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 we are Balabatim, what what I think impressed us the most and made the greatest impact was the variety of people around the world who were affected by his passing. How from and not from, how young and old, how Sfardi and Ashkenazi, how people who had met him and people who never met him, all were impacted by his passing. What can you tell us about that strangely unifying effect that his life had? Okay, so I want to tell you two things because I kind of felt that you would ask this question. Of course, as an elder year, of course, how could we not talk about it? 
I want to tell you two of my favorite things. You have a pencil and paper with you. Certainly you do. Just these two words. Yeah. You will see something that is so mind-boggling. It's unbelievable. Now, the Chazal tell us that the Tadikim of the generation are called Enei Ho'eda. Enei Ho'eda means the eyes of the community. Right. They see things that you and I see, but they see with such depth and such understanding. And you wonder, where in the world did they pick this up? And it's so true, and it was right there in front of us. Now, when Esau in the Torah brings food to his father Yitzchak because he wants to get the bracha from his father before his father passes on from the world, the prophet tells us, and write down these two words, Vayove Le'oviv. He brought it to his father. Vayove is Vav Yud Beis Aleph, and Le'oviv is Lamed Aleph Beis Yud Vav. A palindrome. What? That's right. Look, it's a palindrome. Rabhaim figured that out. We've seen that plastic a thousand times in the Torah. Whoever thought about it, he figured out that it's a palindrome. And you know what the lesson he said? You know what you learned from this? Mm-hmm. Frontwards and backwards? The way you treat your parents, that's how your children are going to treat you. Isn't that amazing? Where did that come from? Pretty amazing. It's amazing. Unbelievable. So, of course, you're right. I, I've spoken in Boca. I had this close to go with Rabdavid Shilsosita, the Rashira of Lake Woodby Flew, together. Um, and we spoke in Boca. There were 500 people there. You know, I've spoken in, in different places. <clears throat> and, of course, you know, Andrew Phoenix probably speaking about it as well. But I want to tell you one of my favorite stories about, um, about Rabhaim. His son-in-law told me this, Rabito Kaladetsky. He told me like this that um, what happened was that there was a uh, it was in Tishrei many many years ago when Rabhaim was much younger and he was able to walk and he went to buy a lulav he went with his son-in-law to buy a lulav and he went into a store and uh, the proprietor saw Rabhaim of course he gave, they showed him a lulav and he said no not this one second one no not this one the third one he said yeah this one I'll take and he bought it now when they walked out of the store some guy ran out of the store and went to the son-in-law. He says, you know, Hashem must love your father-in-law. It takes me an hour and a half to buy a lulav. Rabbein was in that store 10, 15 minutes and he got a lulav. That's amazing. So the son-in-law said, come with me. I want to show you something. And they come together into Rabbein's house. And on the table are 25 lulavim. He says, what is this? So listen to what he says. He says, my father-in-law, Rabbein, knows that people watch every little thing that he does. If he goes into a store to buy a lulav and he walks out without one, that guy will not sell another lulav. Because people will say, Rabhaim came in there, he couldn't find a lulav. If he didn't buy there, I'm certainly not going to buy there. <laughs> so every store that he walks into, he buys at least one lulav. Now he's got 20 lulav on his table. Now it takes him three hours to pick out. He spends three times the amount of time you die. You take to pick out a lulav, but he buys one in every store so the proprietor won't be hurt. Won't be hurt. I, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. Wow. <laughs> and so that's what his greatness in Torah and his greatness in Ben Odomachavera. And I, I just want to tell you, also, do we have time for one more great story? Sure. So what happened was, he never, ever refused to be Sadiq. I brought him one time, and I can send you the picture. One time, I had a Bruce and Eric Cheryl and Rabhaim was Sadiq. I went right from the airport straight to Bnei because it was in the Graineman family. There was a guy, it was Harry Graineman, a wonderful Rebbe in, in uh, Asia Torah, 
And Nebuchadnezzar passed away. Now his son had a boy, and we're going to name him after Rabbi And the Greatmans and Kanevskis, Kanevskis are related to Rabbi was Sandik. So that was tremendous. So everybody knew Rabbi would always be Sandik if he was there. So there was this family in uh, in Kiryat Sefer uh, that Kiryat rather, ninety miles away from Nebrak and Kiryat and they asked Rabbi if he would come up to be a Sandik. And he said, yes, he would go with his Rebbeson, and it's a three-hour trip. Now, there was a countless couple in Nebrak that found out that Rabhaim is going to go up to Kiryat Shmona. So this couple who didn't have children in seven years, they came to Rabhaim together. They said, could the Rav do us a big favor? There's a small town, Shunam, which is near Kiryat, uh, Kiryat Shmona. Would the Rav be able to take a detour after the bris and daven at the cave of the Isha Shunamit? Because the Malachim, it tells us that the Isha Shunamis never had no children. Alicia came and he gave her a blessing and she had a child. So that's a place, a school at the Davin for couples that don't have children. Would Rav Chaim go there after the Brit? My wife and I will meet you there. We could all daven together so that we should have a child. So not only was Rav Chaim going to Kiryash one or three hours, but he agreed to do that. Fine. Fine. And they said they agreed that they would follow Rav Chaim and they wouldn't go to the Brit, but they would meet him in Shunam, at the cave of the Isha Shunam. Rav Chaim comes there after the bris, and he can't believe it. There are two busloads of people on, who all who didn't have children, some for two years, some for five years, some for ten years. It's unbelievable. And Rav Chaim looks around like, what happened here? So the, the couple apologizes. They said, Rebbe, we must have told a couple people, and word got out, and everybody wanted to come daven with the Rav and the Rebbe, you know, to daven by the Isha Shunam. So, fine. They made two columns, the men on one side, the women on the other side, and everybody was davening. And after a while, Rav Chaim said, everybody should step back. He wants to daven alone together with his Rebbe, and they're going to daven at the cave of the Isha Shunam. After 15 minutes, he got back into the car, and they went to Bnei Brown. Now, I want to tell you something. I have a niece. Her name is Carmela Dollinger. And I called her, because I knew the story, but I called her just to confirm it. She works in the maternity ward of Maine Yeshua. And she told me, that nine months after that, and 10 months after that, and 11 months, there were so many couples that came to Mani Yeshua to have babies who hadn't had babies in years, five years, six years, two years, three years. And she has a neighbor who hadn't had a child in eight years. And the child, and they had a child after, because they were also on this bus. And they went back to Rabhaim to tell him and to thank him for dominating with all of them because now she had a child. And Rav Chaim said to them, you're the 14th couple that was on that bus that had a child. Unbelievable. And now this lady has a whole bunch of kids. She has a very, very big family. But that was the greatness of Rav Chaim. Always learning, always there, but always cared for other people. And that's why everybody loved him. Because he knew that he really cared and wanted to give advice and chizuk to everyone. You've taught us a lot this morning, Rabbi Krohn. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a painful week here, but we have Shabbos coming up and a very, very, very special Shabbos. There is something glorious about watching three Sifrei Torah on the Bima being held by being being held by the congregation members and and being um, paraded throughout the synagogue. And tomorrow we have that opportunity. Well, Rabbi Nachum, I just want to give you a bracha, whatever it's worth, from here in Phoenix, 
so dark outside. I'm going back to sleep soon. <laughs> but uh, I just want to tell you, the world loves you. You do so much for all of us. And as repayment, Baruch Goyim, it was Xavier, there's no question. But Omakayim, you're going to exist through it, you're going to grow through it, and you'll be better than ever. I know it's hard to believe, yeah. but you will be. And um, we're all there together with you, and Hashem should bench you and your family, and the JM and the AM family, Yitzhak Zaplis and all these great guys who help you and all the uh, people you have working <clears throat> in your studio. You do so much for Claudia Show all over the world, and you should be able to continue and we should all be able to enjoy the month of Nisan as the month of Geula. Amen. Thank you, Rabbi Krohn. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, Pesach Krohn, who's in Phoenix, but uh, gladly, without hesitation, offered to join us here this morning at JM in the AM.